Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country who heard the distinct sound when Gonzaga lost last night and this happened to your brackets. Goodbye, brackets. Goodbye, 2022 brackets. It was nice knowing you. Goodbye, future bet. Goodbye, Gonzaga Bulldogs. Oh, my goodness. Hello, everybody. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer. Well, that's what I call myself anyway. What do I know? At the Times-Picayune, the advocate, and bet.nola.com. And this is Datitude, episode number 61, for a Friday, March the 25th, 2022. And, um, yeah. Everything going. Uh, you know, it's so, I, I can't, I, it's kind of like what we're going to get into in a little bit. You can't accept reality. When you're watching the game last night, I, I don't know how many of you watched. You're watching the game. I got my futures. I got every, I bet, I mean, everything was on Gonzaga. Like an idiot, okay? When you have a future bet, usually when you get to this point, especially because I have, I have smaller, I have a smaller future bet, I had, had a smaller bet, future bet on Texas Tech, and my biggest future bet is on Duke. Bet that before the season. But when you know that you have a chance to have your future bets playing each other in the, in the Elite Eight, wouldn't it have made sense to, like, bet on the underdog, Arkansas in the money line, you get, like, three to one, maybe just bet a little bit and kind of protect your – you know, I was thinking about this after. It's kind of like – how many of you out there play poker, okay? And I, and I kind of related it to this. For those of you who play poker, and I would imagine that if you're listening to this podcast, a lot of you do, and a lot of my poker friends listen to the podcast. But it's kind of like when someone says all in and you insta-call. Like you don't even think about, you don't have the nuts, you don't have the best hand. I mean, you don't have the best possible hand, which is the only time you should ever insta-call anything. But someone says all in and you, you immediately call. You can't wait to call. And then he turns over quad aces. And you're like, oh, crap. Well, that's kind of like, you know, after I made my, you know, I, I was so sure Gonzaga was going to blow Arkansas out of the water last night that despite my future bet and despite what made sense, you either don't bet on it at all because you have a future bet on Gonzaga, but you certainly don't bet on Gonzaga minus 10 or minus nine and a half, whatever the hell it was. Just dumb. Just a dumb bet. So even people who call themselves sports betting writers make some really dumb bets sometimes. And that was the sound that everything, you know, that's, the, that's what I heard in my head. Because I thought Gonzaga, there's no way they're going to lose. There's no way they're going to lose. Even with two minutes left, they're down by six. 
No way they're going to lose. Down, down by whatever with, with 50 seconds left. They're going to find a way to win. They're not going to lose. And then... Yeah, they're not going to lose. Kaboom, baby. They're going to lose. You're going to lose. Everybody's going to lose. I hate it. Damn Final Four. Coming to New Orleans. The only good news is I do still have Duke left. And I tell you what, they're Hollywood. We're going to get into all this in just a little bit. Uh, Rod Walker of the Times-Picune and the Advocate, sports columnist, coming on. He's going to mostly talk about my, my main topic this morning. Because the NCAA tournament, my brackets blowing up, is not my main topic. Nobody wants to listen to me spew on about how my life sucked last night, okay? But by God, you're going to hear about it now for... I'm going to take a couple minutes to vent. But then I'm going to tell you a, a funny story before I get to my main topic. And then Zach Ewing's going to come on. And I, we are going to talk about brackets exploding at the end, okay? So if you want to hear me... Just ramble on about how my brackets suck and last night sucked, then stick through the end. If you want to hear about my main topic that's coming up, I'm going to wait. You're going to have to wait for a minute because a lot of you aren't going to want to hear it because you're not going to like it. But that's coming up in a minute. First, I want to say something to the guy that was driving behind me this morning. It was great. You know, I will say this. As much as last night stunk, okay? This morning, wake up, bring the little one, the toothless wonder, the, the tooth fairy came to visit us night before last. Little six-year-old lost her front tooth. Exciting time at the dairy house. Anyway, bring her to school, the little toothless wonder. And then, you know what? Before I do datitude, I'm going to go run to McDonald's and pride my, you know, make myself happy with an egg biscuit. You know, I'm like, after about two minutes of driving, I'm like, today, yeah, today might not be so bad. Today's going to be fun. You know when you get those people that drive behind you, just the jackasses, the D-bags, they're like right on your tail. Well, I'm pulling out of my neighborhood and this guy's on my butt already. Okay, so anyway, where I live, there are multiple four-way stops. So we get to like the second four-way stop. And I can see him, like, speed off and, like, go in the opposite direction. And I know what he's doing. He's going to try to go around the side street and come back. And so he doesn't have to. He'd rather go six blocks out of his way to go as fast as he wants and kill a kid in a neighborhood than to sit behind me doing the speed limit and stopping at stop signs like I'm supposed to. So, anyway, about two more stop signs later. Here he comes, speeding up. I get to the stop sign first. I take a right, and guess who's right behind me? All the way up to the main drag. Oh, it was a wonderful thing. It was a wonderful thing. I'm like, this is how days are supposed to go. It made my, you know, I know it's spiteful. I know it's petty. But don't things like that just make your day sometimes? I mean, even though... My bracket went. There are still things that can make you happy in this world. The hell with the bracket. There are all kinds of things that can make you happy. So let's be happy, happy. Happy, happy, joy, joy on this Friday. 
Some of you won't be happy when I talk about what I'm about to talk about. Because we spent a whole week now. Remember the last week we talked about Deshaun Watson and whether he was coming here to the Saints. Didn't happen. And so you would think that people would be, you know, okay, we didn't get Deshaun Watson, but we got Jameis Winston who in his short seven-game stint here proved that he was not only a capable quarterback, that he could actually turn into a pretty darn good one. I mean, the guy had LASIK surgery. He went from throwing 30 interceptions in Tampa his last year there, comes here, sits behind Drew Brees, obviously learned something from Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and in his short stint, throws 14 touchdown passes and three interceptions before he gets hurt. And then he goes through the Deshaun Watson debacle and sits patiently and waits because he obviously wants to play in New Orleans. Watson doesn't come here, and he signs almost immediately. Doesn't say any negative words on social media. Does all the right things. But yet there are some numbskulls out there hating I don't get, you know, maybe I do. Because flat out, people are idiots. I mean, that, that's just, people are idiots. What, let, let me ask, for those haters out there that are cursing their phones right now, what, what would you expect the Saints, who would you want the Saints quarterback to be going in next year if it's not Jameis Winston? If you say Taysom Hill, or if you say Ian Book, check yourself, first of all. Second off, go do something else in the fall. Because Taysom Hill and or Ian Book are nowhere near the quarterback that Jameis Winston is. So say it's not Taysom Hill. Say it's not Jameis Winston. Uh, excuse me, Ian Book. Who else would you rather? Who's available that you would want? Jimmy Garoppolo, the king of the choke artist? He and Matt Ryan ought to share a room together somewhere. God bless Matt Ryan. I, I, I said last week I have a whole new respect for Matt Ryan and the way he handled that debacle in Atlanta. And you know what? I wish him no ill will in Indianapolis. I'm done with the 28-3 to 3 jokes, at least when it comes to Matt Ryan. Now, that still relates to the Falcons. They're going to stink. And I'm going to enjoy every minute of it. But what, what would your suggestion be? First of all, they'd have, need to make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, which means that they'd have to give something, the Saints would, have to give something up. You want to give up a number one for Jimmy Garoppolo? No. You, what do you want to? I mean, we're our, and besides that, we're, the Saints just got themselves out of salary cap hell which is going to rear its ugly face again next year. So you sign Jameis Winston to a two-year, $28 million million deal, which is fantastic. A fantastic deal for the Saints. And it solves a major problem. And really, what it is is a two-year audition. Maybe one year, because I can tell you right now, hey, all you haters, I hate to tell you this, But if Jameis Winston has a really good season next year, 
You know what's going to happen? They're going to sign him to an extension before that second year comes up and get him at a semi-bargain. Because he wants to be here, and if he's good enough, he's going to be here for longer than two years. So either go find another team to root for, let yourself be filled with the hate, or do something else in the fall. Go feed the pigeons again. New dads. I, I just, it boggles the mind sometimes. The hate that I've seen on the shows, on some of my Twitter feeds, even emails, you need to get a grip. Because I hate to break this to you, but Drew Brees isn't coming back. Sean Payton's not coming back either. Those days are gone. I know it's hard to accept. They're gone. They're not coming back. The Saints have a new quarterback now. Whether it's Jameis Winston or someone else. Taysom Hill's going back to being the Swiss Army Knife, which is what he should do. Thank God. The best news I saw all morning, besides the, the dude in the stop signs and the driving on my tail and... I still beat him to the to the punch. The best news I saw all morning was Trevor Simeon signing with the Bears. Oh, I don't know what they're, the Saints are going to do for a backup quarterback. Maybe they're going to draft somebody. Maybe they think Ian Book's ready to be a backup quarterback. I have no idea. But I know this. It ain't going to be Trevor Simeon. Can I get a round of applause from my brothers and sisters? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me tomorrow, this morning. I haven't even had a lot of caffeine. I'm just happy and perplexed and flummoxed all at the same time. Let's bring in my first guest. I'm going to save Zach for the end. We can debate the NCAAs later. Because I want to ask him the question of the hate of Jameis Winston. He covers this team. He's seen the hate. He went through the whole debacle last week and wrote a column about how (laughs) some people didn't want Deshaun Watson. I get that. At least I can understand that. I don't necessarily agree with you. I mean, everybody deserves a second chance. And like I said last week, I'm not even sure it would be a second chance. We we don't know. I'm I'm not getting into that whole thing again. But I can at least understand that. What I cannot understand is why anyone wouldn't want Jameis Winston right now. Let's ask Rod Walker. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast on a Friday morning, Todd McCune and advocate columnist Rod Walker. And Rod, been a while since we talked. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's been a pretty busy, hectic uh, few weeks, but it's, you know, doing good. I went through some of the columns you've been writing the last uh, last couple of weeks, and, man, you you haven't really stopped much, have you? No, it's just always something, man. You know, people always ask, you know, what are you doing football season ends or what are you doing basketball season ends? And nothing ever ends. In the world. I was going to say, they don't end. <laughs> a coach is getting fired or there's a trade or you're waiting on a trade. or It's just always something, man. It's pretty amazing, actually. It, it, it's, it's so different in our business. And you and I have both been doing this for a long time now. Um, and we both kind of cut our teeth in the high school ranks. But um, 
you know, you in Mississippi and me here in New Orleans. And it used to be you had time off. You had time where even in high schools now, it's like it, it, there's always something going on. It's, it's, it's really incredible how our, it, how it, our jobs have evolved. It is. I know when I first moved to New Orleans and uh, I remember like the first time I was here, I was covering like high school football and they were doing these jamborees and like, yeah. Mississippi jamborees aren't really that big of a deal. But here they like <laughs> cover jamborees like yeah. it's the Super Bowl, man. And uh, you had jamborees and um, uh, American Legion baseball. Uh, it just this is always something. And I mean, it's stuff is a really big deal here in New Orleans, which is something I really appreciate about uh, about the high school sports scene. And obviously, they have some sports here that we didn't have in Mississippi, like powerlifting here. Well, they had yeah. powerlifting, but rest. I mean, wrestling, wrestling. Wrestling oh. here is like the first time I covered a wrestling state championship. I couldn't believe how many people were there and how they went to it and just yeah, it was it was phenomenal, man. So yeah, it's well, I'll I tell you I, busy. when I got back, I had taken a layoff from sports for a while and I got back in the same time that you came up here during the Len- Leonard Fournette craziness. And um my first year back, they sent me to cover a powerlifting meet. And uh, powerlifting state championships because we had a bunch of teams, and I'm like, I don't want to cover powerlifting. Give me a break. So I drive all the way up to Monroe to, to cover powerlifting. I walk into the West Monroe gym, and there are 7,000 people in there. I couldn't believe it. I mean, so it, <laughs> yeah, people just love their sports. It doesn't matter what it is, but it doesn't uh, matter what it is. It really yeah. doesn't. Well, that leads me into you know, we talk about our jobs being 12 months now. And we're, we're lucky if we can take a break here and there. We take a week off here, a week off there. Maybe if we're really lucky, we could string two weeks together, maybe like June. Um, but Saints news, I mean, it, it's never ended. And I th- what I saw last week with the whole Deshaun Watson thing and the craziness that evolved, have, I mean, just the, the, the going after a free agent like that, I mean, it is. Did, were you surprised that at how, I mean, obviously it's big news here. The Saints going after Deshaun Watson, but were you surprised at just how much people were just they were starving for news? It, it doesn't matter what you post. Five seconds later, the post is blowing up, no matter what it was. Yeah, it was insane, man. I know, I, and I'm a reporter, so obviously I got to really be tuned in, and especially Twitter. You know, you want to make sure nothing breaks. You know, no news breaks. Right. But, uh, I got to a point. I can't remember what day it was. I was like, man, I got to, I got to take a, I got to step away from this because it was just getting. <laughs> It was just obsessive, man. Just every every little tweet was triggering some some emotions, and so I had to like just step away for about an hour or two. And uh, fortunately, nothing happened in that hour or two. But yeah, I mean, there were Saints were all in on him. And I mean, obviously Deshaun's a guy who's you know most people consider him one of the top you know five quarterbacks in the league. So um, he's a guy that I guess if you got a chance to get him, you have to at least try. And it looks like the Saints were made a. <laughs> really, they made a hard effort. I mean, they went went at them hard. I mean, they sent Miss Benson. You know, she flew out to Atlanta, I think, one time. So I mean, just a lot of stuff going on with them trying to pursue him. He is a franchise-altering quarterback. There's no question about it. Um, you wrote a column about how <clears throat> if they were to get him, it would have changed a lot of things around here. There would have been a lot of mixed emotions about Deshaun coming to New Orleans and. Maybe it would have been a circus for a little while, and maybe the circus is going to be in Cleveland. We don't know, but th- there's no question that Deshaun Watson is is a franchise-altering quarterback. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Saints, you know, I think when I wrote the column last week, I think the Saints were like 
maybe pick ninth in the uh, NFC. But if they got Deshaun, I think they'd easily move up to one or two in the NFC as far as, you know, favorites of get to the Super Bowl. So that tells you how much of a game changer uh, Deshaun can be. But it was going to be some – he's kind of a polarizing figure right now. There's no I did question. A, a Twitter poll and, you know, I can't remember the numbers right now, but I think it was like 57% – Wanted them and another four to three percent didn't or something like that. I think that's what the numbers were. But uh, sounds like politics. Yeah, yeah, man. It was <laughs> it was wild. And then you know, and I you know, I read some. You know, I'm on Twitter a lot, and I see some of the Cleveland fans, and they're dealing with it now. I mean, there's still some some Cleveland fans like, man, I wish we hadn't got this guy because I mean, obviously some of this um, the civil suits and stuff is you know that stuff is still lingering and. So, yeah, he's definitely divisive, but, uh, I mean, you know sports is <laughs> like I do. And if, if Deshaun yeah. had come here and – If, if they start 6-0, if they start 6-0 yeah, yeah. in Cleveland, there won't be any – Everybody's no, jumping no. Right, exactly. The only people talking Everybody's about it, people outside of Cleveland. They won't be talking about right, it in right. Cleveland. Right. Um, well, it kind of leads me into to Jameis Winston. And kind of the theme of the day here on Datitude is I don't, I don't understand. Um, maybe I do understand, but <clears> – <throat> I, I, the people that, uh, that come out of the, the woodwork and it's a lot of the same people who are hating on Deshaun Watson. They, we don't want his baggage here. We don't want that here. Now Jameis Winston is the quarterback. I, you gotta love a guy who it was clear to me and we'll never know the complete inner workings of what Jameis Winston went through for a week because he obviously was sitting around cause he wants to be here. Um, he wanted to be here from the day that he came here. It was clear. And you would think that a guy with his kind of talent and a guy who showed in just a seven-game period that he can be a leader of a franchise, I think, um, that there is so much, uh, for lack of a better term, hate for, for Jameis Winston. There, is, there are guys out there, there are people, not guys, there are people out there, and I've gotten a tremendous amount of email, a tremendous amount of words on Twitter, live comments on our shows of how people don't want Jameis Winston. And I don't understand just what people are saying and who they think this franchise is going to get to lead them because Taysom Hill can't do it. Ian Book is nowhere near ready, if he'll ever be ready. And thank God I just read that that Mr. Simeon signed with Chicago and, and he's gone. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But what is your take on – what is the negativity towards Jameis Winston? Can you put a finger on it at all? I can't. I, um, I think a big part of it is falling behind Drew Brees. Yes. You know how, yeah. I mean, you know who Drew was, and he just left such, such a mark on this city, man. I just think, I think, to be honest, like anybody coming behind Drew is going to, you know, have some doubters and haters, but. James is, is pretty extreme, you know. I think, you know, for, especially considering what he did last year. I can yeah. see if this was his first year and you still, you know, you still had the unknown from his Tampa Bay years and, you, you know, all the interceptions. And if you were concerned about that, that's different. But to see what he did last season and uh, I think it's 14 touchdowns, three interceptions, or whatever it was, I can't remember. That's it right. That's exactly what Good it was. numbers. I mean, he had, he had, you know, stopped making the mistakes that, that haunted him in Tampa and he embraced the city. I mean, he did all the right things and he did his part and, you know, so, I mean, it, it is pretty confusing and, that, that people aren't embracing then, him like they should. And the fact that he's embracing this city and this franchise. Right. And again, yeah. a lot, a lot of people, 
there are look at Baker Mayfield for take him for example. I mean, if you're Baker Mayfield, you have to understand. And if you're Jameis Winston, and I thought the way Matt Ryan handled Matt was Ryan, as yeah. classy as as any player I've ever seen, because Matt Ryan really could have gone off on on the Falcons if he wanted to. He left with class. He's going to Indianapolis with class. Um, I gave him a lot of a lot of respect for it because, frankly, I don't know if I would have handled it that way if I was Matt Ryan. But if you're Jameis Winston and if you're Baker Mayfield, you have to understand that, like we said, Deshaun Watson is a franchise-altering quarterback. You're waiting for a franchise to see if we can get that kind of quarterback. Jameis Winston may be along those lines. We don't know. He could be. He's young enough to where he could be. But the fact that he sat around and waited. Now, doors weren't banging down for Jameis Winston, but there was certainly interest in him. But it was clear from the outset that he wanted to stay here. So as much as he's embracing this franchise in the city, you would think there would be some love reciprocated back. Yeah, you would, man. I'd be interested. I know we'll ask Jameis whenever we get a chance to talk to him about, you know, how he felt about all this. He'll never say if it hurt, you know, if he was disappointed as the Saints, you know, weren't all in on him. And, you know, we even had stuff about different players saying how they wanted Deshaun, which, you know, teammates like sort of lobbying for Deshaun. So, I mean, James is a human, so that that, that had to affect had to hurt. Some. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, for him to, you know, withstand all that and want to be here, you know, he talked last year, well, I guess two years ago when he first got here, you know, just about how he wanted to, you know, be a part of Sean Page's offense. And obviously Sean's gone and he's still – want to be a part of this. So, I mean, he, there's something about the city he really likes, I think. And, um, you know, you just hope it, hope it works out for him because he's sort of done his part and, you know, really trying to show people who he, who he is or who he's evolved, you know, and who he's become. I think it's also a part of this, just this franchise and the culture that this franchise has kind of become. I mean, even though it's led by Dennis Allen now, uh, the administration is, is based, is still the same. And, um, you see people that want to come here, which is, you know, people have short memories. Um, you know, I'm sure you followed the saints when you were in Jackson and, uh, it wasn't that long ago before Sean Payton, when this, this franchise was basically a dumpster fire. I mean, there's no other way to put it. If you got a winning season, it was quite the, the coup, you know, it was, it was great. We, we, we had a winning season and now, it's expected and, and you know nine and eight the season the saints had last year would have been so welcome just even right. 20 years ago and so um you know it, it's it's refreshing in a way that, that that this is a place that where players want to come you got to hope that uh not just Jameis, but th- that they'll be able to now that they have a little salary cap relief a little bit that they'll be able to recruit maybe a couple more people to come around yeah, you know, that was one of the things when Sean Payton first stepped down, you know, I, one of my biggest concerns and what I thought this team was going to miss more than the coaching was just free agents wanting to come here because Sean just had this reputation, man. Like, every time a player came here, uh, whether it's an offensive player or a defensive player, you know, a lot of it had to do with Sean Payton and especially offensive players, you know, he wanted to be a part of Sean's offense. And um, I remember Demario Davis, who's obviously a linebacker, you know, he just he wanted to he kept talking about playing with Drew Brees and, you know, being a part of that Sean Payton thing. So I do think there's going to be some, some players that they might not get because Sean's not here. I mean, they just, they're probably not going to jump out. The Saints probably don't jump out at players like they used to. Right. Um, but fortunately, I mean, they have a good locker room and they have some good guys here, but you know, they're right at that point right now where I think they, 
you know, need to try to keep what Sean had going so people know that this team is still going to be, uh, you know, legitimate without Sean Payton. So I think that's going to be the battle they're going to face in free agency this year and the rest of free agency this year and obviously, in that, you know, in the future. So that's going to be – that's something I'll definitely be keeping an eye on just to see if they're able to get these players that they, they would get in the past. You touched on Drew Brees is gone, and I think that, that fans absolutely have a – just in their head – you know, where's the next Drew Brees? There is no next Drew Brees. I mean, right. it, there's just a, that's a once in a lifetime. I don't, I don't want to say fluke, but I mean, uh, you look at what Drew Brees was before he came here. I mean, there, there's no Drew Brees walking through this door. So you have to work your franchise around and, and just everything. Your, men, your whole mindset has to change. I imagine even you as a columnist, it's still hard to realize. It, it really in the back of your mind that Drew Brees is not the quarterback of this football team. Oh, without a doubt, man, you know, that, and you just said it right. I mean, just changing the mindset is going to be the whole key for the team, the fans. I mean, you just got to realize that he is not coming. He's not walking back to that door and it's time to, you know, go in a, in a different direction, you know, and um, the Saints are trying their best to, you know, kind of holding on to that a little bit. I think even with the, and I think Dennis Allen will, you know, he'll probably do a good job, but the fact that they stuck with a, a guy who was already on the staff kind of lets you know that they're trying to, like, hold on to everything they had um, during Drew Brees' um, run. And for Drew and Sean, you know, they want to hold on to that and try to keep it as close to that as possible. I mean, they're going to tweak it a little bit and do some own, their own things, but I think for the most part they're trying to – they had success and they want to keep it going with the people who were around it to who saw how it happened. I think that last year didn't help either because – in your mind, you go through this transition season. If you have one quarterback that goes throughout the whole year, it kind of helps prepare you uh, or get you mentally right. Okay, this is our quarterback, or we are moving on. But the fact there was a revolving door, not just the quarterback, I think there were something along the lines of 58, 59 different players started at some point during the season last year, which was an NFL record. That doesn't help you in transition when all these different players in such a weird season, to me, and you're almost back to where you were, you have to get ready for a whole new season of, of trying to say, you have to keep reminding yourself, Drew Brees isn't here anymore. Um, now Teron Olmstead's not here. They're going to have to have a new left tackle. They're probably going to have to draft a running back because we don't know how long Alvin Kamara is going to be out. Um, you know, Michael Thomas is supposedly coming back. I mean, it's just such the transition and Sean Payton being gone. It is just so hard for Saints fans to realize this is not your 2010 Saints, not your 2014 Saints. It's not your 2019 Saints. These are, it's going to, this whole team is going to take on an entire new identity and it's going to be hard for everyone to get used to, including us. Yeah, whenever you have a team that has a quarterback and coach who are together that long, I mean, I'm sure New England went through it when Brady left. Yeah. I mean, the Colts went through it when Peyton Manning left. I mean, man, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard. It's, it's just hard to get used to. When you look at last season, you almost want to just throw that season out, right. out of the way and say this is the first season without Drew Brees. Because last season, just so many things happened between the COVID and the um, it was Hurricane Ida. Um, and then all the, I mean, the quarterback carousel was just insane that the Saints went through. So to me, this is almost like the first season of, of the Saints with, <laughs> without Drew Brees. I mean, this is the first season we were really know, you know, where the Saints are and where they're headed with the new coach. Right. I mean, it's just. With that, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, 
you know, I found it interesting, obviously, from from my end, my perspective and being the sports betting writer. And, and I wrote about it. Uh, Saints odds go from 50 to one to 40 to one. You think you're getting Deshaun Watson. They go to 18 to one. You don't get Deshaun Watson. They go back to 50 to one. Jameis Winston is a quarterback and they're still 50 to one. I don't understand personally. Um why I mean I get why they went to 18 to 1, just like Cleveland went from 40 to 1 to 18 to 1 when they got Deshaun Watson. That being said, you're talking about a guy that even though in a very limited period of time, seven games, not even seven full games, because he missed more than half of the Tampa Bay game. But you're talking about a guy that statistically was in the top, I think top three or four in quarterback rankings, the yardage that he threw in, the, the touchdown interception. Maybe the LASIK surgery that he had made that much of a difference. Maybe it was coaching. We don't know what it was. But it, it kind of it boggles the mind almost. The Saints aren't, they're not just, it's not just the fans. They're not getting love from Vegas. I mean, I think they go back to people expecting them to be ninth in the NFC or whatever it is. But you got Michael Thomas coming back. You got this outstanding defense coming back. And we don't know that they will add a couple free agents that are going to be very impactful before probably the the draft so we have to expect i mean i don't understand why this team is 50 to 1 and i think it's in the betting world it's quite a bargain at 50 to 1 i i don't see why this team can't compete for an nfc south championship next year i i, I agree with you. i mean to me as good as the defense was that alone should make this team you know should put them in the mix i mean this is a team that went to tampa and shut out tom brady nine to zero um you know toward the end of last season so um, the defense is really good, and in these odds we're talking about, I think I don't know if this is before or after Teron, but obviously Teron's a big absence. But to me, with Michael Thomas coming back, um, I think they should be up there too. But I, I think people just looked at last season and just thought that was the start of a decline. Right. And so, regardless of who they bring in, I think people just think this team is, you know, on the downslide right now. And uh, because of that, I think I think that's why we see the numbers we're seeing in Vegas. But again. I guess you, you you have to say it's the quarterback position because you just you know we mentioned what how the odds jumped up once once Deshaun was a possibility so uh, that's yeah well it's gonna be interesting to see going forward and I know you got some other things to do this morning so I do want to talk to you about a couple other things but I, I just I don't get it uh, there's lots of things I don't get and uh, may, maybe I'll be proved right and maybe we'll be proved wrong I don't know and uh, and this will this will go on we'll have to start all over next year but. People have to understand Jameis Winston is a quarterback of this team for at least the next two years, barring. I, some I will be interested to see how he comes off of this injury. I mean, he's coming off an ACL injury, and you know, for the most part, I mean, guys tend to, you know, they bounce back from those injuries now. It's not like it was That's years right. ago when you didn't even know if a guy was going to play again. But so hopefully, he's, I mean, it looks like he's been in the work as far as rehab. It looks like he's going to be, you know, back to who he was. So you know, you you hope to see that. But uh, yeah, um, this is going to be a very interesting season for him, and because he can. He'll either win his fan base over this year, or they'll totally be off. You know there's what? No, there's no middle ground this year. <laughs> Rod, you go 12 and five, and people all of a sudden the same haters or lovers, and they're wearing they're wearing uh, Jameis Winston jerseys, and they're eating a dove and all that stuff. And the, yeah. <laughs> winning cures every problem that anyone could ever have. Um, speaking of winning, how about the New Orleans Pelicans? I mean, remember a couple months ago, I think the last time we talked, the Pelicans weren't doing real well. Um, the job that Willie Green has done, I know he's not going to win Coach of the Year honors, but the dude should be in the mix. It is amazing to me the transformation of this team 
without Zion all year long, without Brandon Ingram the last week and a half, and without him at different points of the season, even before C.J. McCollum came here, it is amazing to me what, how he has transformed this team. Yeah, this is a team that very well could have just said, ah, this isn't it. You know, they started off, you know, so bad, and he was able to keep them on track, man, and that's kind of what everybody talks about, his calm demeanor and him being a player's coach, and it, it has really shown this season. I mean, just what he's been able to to do as far as just keeping these guys. They have a lot of fun on the bench. I mean, you just tell these guys really enjoy being around each other, and that wasn't the case last year with uh, Stan Van Gundy, and it was yeah. pretty – it was pretty clear early on that, like Stan Van Gundy, I think he lost that team early, and he could never get them back. I mean, his his demeanor just wasn't what these younger players needed. And Willie Green was the total opposite. So these guys would run through a wall for him, and and you see it every night. I mean, there have been games when they were down. They were just they just they keep fighting. I mean, they just they got a lot of good pieces on his team. And I you know I know a lot of David Griffin gets a really um, people give him a really hard time about the roster, but and just some of the moves he's made, but he's really put together a really good roster not to have the guy who's supposed to be the centerpiece of this roster. I mean, for what they're doing without our, I guess you have to say arguably their best player now because CJ and BI are really playing well, but without Zion is is pretty impressive. You put Zion on this roster. I think this is a team that, I mean, obviously it would take some time for him to get ready for the playoffs, but if Zion was healthy with this roster, man, this team would be really dangerous, like a contender to, to go all the way out, I think. Which goes to show you, I mean, next year could be really fun. I mean, I really think that. And, uh, you know, I've given David Griffin a lot of, a lot of grief uh, throughout the past couple of years. But uh, I do give him credit for realizing right away that Van Gundy needed to go. And can you imagine what this team would be this season if Van Gundy was the coach? Yeah, it'd be, yeah, yeah. And on the flip side of that, can you imagine what this team would be if Willie Green was – they had hired Willie Green – to replace Alvin Gentry instead of Van Gundy. I mean, yes. This will be Willie Green's second year, and Zion's probably happy. I don't know. I don't know what – we don't really know what Zion's situation right, is. Right, right, right. Um, it, it's just – it's kind of funny, man, to see that coaching makes that much of a difference because this roster – I mean, obviously CJ's been added to it now, but, you know, this roster isn't a lot different from what it was last year, and Willie Green's just changed the whole attitude. It's, to me, it's been more about the attitude and these guys just buying in and – once they buy in, they believe what you're saying, they do what you say, and it turns into wins, man. You know, the perfect example of the impact that Willie Green has had on this team to me is Jackson Hayes. Uh, that that kid has transformed. I got to be honest. When I watching him all of last year and into this year, I'm like, this kid can't play basketball. I mean, he, he doesn't get it. I mean, he's got all this raw talent, but he can't. And the transformation of this kid, the last 25 to 30 games to me, it, it's all Willie Green to me, and and, and he yeah. this dude can really play. Yeah, Willie Green just found a spot for him, and man, it, it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He wouldn't get most improved player for the whole year, but but he's past month and a half or whatever it's been, man. I mean, he has been just a different guy, man. And you know, I think once a guy like that finally gets that confidence and say, you know what, I do belong in this league. You, it, it just it just takes off, man. And it's it's been incredible. Like you can say the same thing for Jose Alvarado, probably. I mean, he's a oh, guy no question. played hard, but these last few, I mean, his confidence is just skyrocketed, man. And no doubt. I mean, I think that comes from the coach too, man. You just whenever we talk to Willie Green about these guys who are struggling, you know, he's just always like, yeah, we know he's gonna come around, and I'm just encouraging him to keep keep doing whatever. And and all of a sudden they have these these nights like um, Jose had last night, and 
they just kind of break out like that. And uh, that's, again, that's a testament to Willie Grant and what he's done. And then you see the end of the game and the way they went on that little run. You know, it's a really tight game against the Bulls that they could have easily folded, I think, at the end of the third quarter. I believe it was a two- or three-point game. Um, yeah. And then they go on that little run. And just the way the team just kind of came around each other and also B.I. on the bench just just going crazy because his boys were doing their thing. Um, it's just so much fun to watch. It's refreshing. And I can't wait till the fans are in the stands a little bit more than they are now because I, I think this team, like you said, I think in the in the near future, this team is going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got to avoid, you know, it's a crazy word in sports and injuries pop up. But if the team can stay healthy, they can be really good. I thought last, the, the Bulls game on uh, Thursday night, I thought it was the best atmosphere of the season. Because um, for the most part, this season, the, the upper level in the Smoothie King Center has been pretty empty, but there were some people up there last night and it was louder than it's been all season. And um, I'm not sure if the Spurs will be like on Saturday, but I know the Lakers on Sunday. I oh, think yeah. It's going to be, it's gonna be <laughs> very much a playoff atmosphere on Sunday. So uh, uh, and actually both of those games are very crucial to this team's uh, push to get into the play-in tournament. Uh, they're tied for ninth right now with the Lakers and actually technically they're ahead of the Lakers because they, you know, own a tiebreaker since they beat the Lakers in that one game. And the, Spurs are a couple of games back. So, you know, if they can get these two wins, it'll kind of separate themselves from the Spurs. We only got nine games left. So, I mean, that's insane. We're in the That's home stretch of the regular season. I, so. and, and only two home games after the Lakers game. Um, so, man, I can, it, it's hard to believe that it has gone that fast. All right, before I let you go, uh, again, I know you got an interview coming up. So, I just want to touch on the NCAA tournament. I really enjoyed your piece about the, the two St. All kids going out against one another. I guess Caleb Daniels got the best of that one last night. Um, Villanova against Michigan. <clears throat> There's a whole bunch of local flavor. And the fact that the Final Four is in New Orleans this year, um, <clears throat> I think it's a great year to have, have it here because there's so much parity in college basketball. We've seen it throughout this tournament. To see Gonzaga get, get beat last night just kind of oh, blew my mind. I, I, I went on the air. We had a show at the, we are at the book show. I, I said that Gonzaga was like the lock of the night. I mean, I, you could play that game 20 times. I don't know how Arkansas just doesn't match up with Gonzaga at all. And the fact that they pulled that game out last night and really were in control of it throughout the entire second half, it just goes to show you how crazy college basketball is this year. It's crazy, man. You know, I, I, since we're on the betting, um, I did this thing where I like to just get on these apps and just kind of play with the numbers. Like, yeah. I don't even I won't even bet, but I just do it. But I went in and I picked every hundred, all eight underdogs for the weekend. Uh-huh. I said, what if I put a dollar bet on this? And the dollar bet was like, it would win you $7,122, I think is what the number was. <laughs> I wish and, I uh, realized and I, that. <laughs> and, and I... And three of the underdogs actually won. Like yes. that because Duke was actually an underdog. That's uh, right. Houston obviously an underdog in, in Arkansas, and um, um, I guess Michigan is one that kind of threw it off. But man, it's just crazy how last night went. And um, really looking forward to the Final Four being in New Orleans. I mean, I wasn't here in 2012 when Kentucky won it, so I'm just kind of looking forward to it. And I was kind of looking at the teams and wondering like which fan bases would be really good if they made it, and which ones won't. So uh, you know, I actually get Duke. You know, I'm sure they travel well and. Some of these Arkansas will travel very well. Oh, there's no here. question. They will. Yeah. So it's it, going to be. Um, well, I was also fun. reading what you wrote about. It's hard to believe that Coach K 
has never been to any of the final fours held in New Orleans. I mean, that, that, yeah, that's, and, and before, five here. Yeah. And before last night, he had never won a tournament game in the Pacific time zone, which is also hard to believe considering now he now has heard NCAA tournament wins. Yeah. I don't know how many times he's been to Pacific. I, I did see that stat. I don't know how many times he's been there. Cause I, I remember a year for years saying like he was always in the, Right. He's, he right was 0-5 before last night, so there's not a lot. But but still, oh, okay, okay. the yeah, fact yeah. that he was 0-5, I mean, he's Coach right. K. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if he gets to New Orleans, obviously that's a, that'll be the story. I mean, that's what everybody's going to be talking about is Coach K and his final hoorah. And if he had lost last night, I mean, that's, what I, that's all we see on the TV today. So. Let me ask you, Rod, does it make you just a little bit root for North Carolina to come out of that ace bracket? To have that first game on Saturday be Duke, North Carolina. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be incredible, man. That'll be like the perfect way. I mean, he he either end his career lose against North Carolina. That's right. Or, or go to the championship game by beating. I mean, I don't think he, you couldn't really write a better script than that, other than them being on opposite sides of the bracket and <laughs> playing for the championship. I mean, that would be as well, ideal as you can get. But when you talk about betting on underdogs, I, I believe in in fate, and it's why I only put one future on before the season started. I went and put some money down on Duke just because you could see the Hollywood ending happening. We were getting decent odds. I got to say, I'm going bet on North Carolina. Now, I know they probably – well, we don't know what's <laughs> happening with Hami Haikaz and how, how much – and we know he's hurting for UCLA. And they're still going to have to probably go through Purdue, which is a really tough team. But you got to believe in fate, right? I mean, couldn't you see it happening? I can definitely see it happening. Um yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked at all. I do think UCLA – I picked UCLA to win tonight in my bracket. I just think – I really like Jesus. I did too. Those guys were – you know, those guys got so close last year. So, uh, you know, that's a team I think – I think could, could win it. But um, I didn't come out of that region, actually. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of it. Well, it obviously helped Houston uh, being in the Final yeah. Four last year. has helped them get through. All right, last question before I let you go. Who uh, – if you had to pick a team right now, who look, I mean, it's hard to pick. There are only 12 teams left, but, and it's still super hard to pick who, uh, who's your national championship game right now. We can redo your whole brackets. Forget about who you had in the beginning. Who's your national championship game. And, uh, who do you like to win it all? Yeah, you said who I had in the beginning. I did pick, I bet on Gonzaga. Like as soon as I did too, I had Gonzaga and Villanova in my, in my championship game. Yeah, I thought it was pretty. Yeah, I thought I was. I was pretty confident with that pick. So I was excited last night. Like, yeah, me too. But uh, to ask you a question, I'm probably going. I put you on the spot. Uh, I think I'm going Duke, and I think I'm going Duke and Houston, man. You know what? I don't think you can go wrong there. Um, I'm still going to stick with Villanova. I still think Villanova is. So well coached, um, their experience as well. I thought the way they played Michigan last night was was outstanding. Uh, they fell behind a little bit early and found a way to get through. I'm just a huge Jay Wright fan. I, I, I yeah, just, you, you got to be, man. <laughs> I mean, he is incredible. Uh, just the he things is, that he's able to pull off. And Coach you see K, players do. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kelvin Sampson against Coach K would be fun too. But I think Jay Wright against Coach K uh, would be a phenomenal national championship game. So it would be and on that side. I do think whoever wins the Houston Villanova game, 
gets to the national championship. I don't I know if I'll see the I don't I don't know if I'll see the beat him, but I mean you got Kansas has been they've been in New Orleans more than anybody. They've yeah. been here three times. Uh, the last three times actually every time it's been in, they've never been able to win it here. So uh that's a team that you can watch out for. But um, well Zach Ewing wouldn't be happy about that because he's a Mizzou guy. So he, right, he right. I want to hear Rock Chalk Jayhawk for a week. So <laughs> we'll we'll see how that goes. Right, I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh Zach and I will both be at the final four. Um We'll, we'll be working pretty hard next week. It's going to be fun. I know that. And I know you're looking forward to it as well. Yep. Uh, thanks, man. Rod Walker here. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Always glad to have our own here on the show. I don't do it enough, to be honest. I, I, we have such, so much talent at the Tons Picune. Um, and I do like to reach out and get different people on the show. But um, Rod Walker is, is, is a blessing to us here at the Tons Picune. And I thank him for uh, taking time on a Friday morning. Uh, well, let's, let's talk more about the NCAA tournament. And um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I've already told you what happened to my brackets. Uh, if you listen to the opening of the show, how, how much of the opening, I don't know, you listen to. I, I certainly had datitude this morning. I had so many mixed. You see how the mind works? When, you be, when you're cooped up, you know, one thing is when you work from, the home, from your home, and uh, this is one thing about taking this job is I, I used to spend about half my time at home, working from home, a quarter of the time in the office and a quarter of the time out in the field. Or I don't know, whatever, whatever the percentages were, it didn't matter. I wasn't cooped up at home every day. So this is, you know, we're now, what, seven months into this, and I work from home. And when you, I try to t- explain this to my wife all the time. But... Um, and I digress again. But when, when you work from home every day, at certain points you feel like a caged animal, especially by Friday. You know, I look forward to the weekend and, and doing stuff with the family, and my son's getting married next month, so we got all kinds of stuff going on with that. And, you know, next week will be great because, again, I'll be at the fi- Final Four stuff and uh, looking for people to interview for Datitude next week and... Um, you know, writing columns from, and I could probably uh, spend some time downtown and, and work from from press area over there. But when you do ninety five percent of your work from home, it gets old. Um, so I don't know how many of you out there listening know what I'm feeling, but you know, some of you be thankful that uh, you know you you live the rat race. All you all you guys living in the rat race, working forty, fifty, sixty hours a week. And finding time to listen to this little show, I appreciate it. Um, but for those of you that, that are running the rat race and are out there and going from construction site to construction site or, uh, or, or working in a restaurant or whatever it is you do, um, you know, sometimes be thankful for that because working home, from home ain't all it's cracked up to be. It gets old sitting in this house, just me and the dog during the day. Um, it, it just does. So appreciate what you got. And, uh, again, I appreciate that. We'll, that we'll be at the final four, Zach and I next week. And, um, it's going to be a crazy one. I mean, we will know tonight, uh, who the final eight, the elite eight are, but we won't. And then Sunday night, we'll know who the final four are, who's coming to new Orleans. And with our brackets blown up and, 
our predictions from yesterday, most of them completely wrong. I got Villanova right. Yippee! But uh, I didn't do so well with the other three. We'll try to do better tonight. Let's bring on Zach and see what he thinks. Welcome into the Datitude podcast on a Friday morning. Sports betting director at bet.nola.com, Zach Ewing. And um, Zach, I'm so glad you made it back from traipsing Europe and uh, eating brats, drinking beer while some of us were working. Yeah, there's, there's nothing quite like feeling like you've gone to another world than to go to Europe and, you know, like we have a 10 o'clock meeting twice a week and I would get the alert on my phone at 4 p.m. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's still other things going on in the world, but uh, it just, it, it, it's, there's nothing like it. So, yeah, sometimes it felt like I would never get back, but we made it, and uh, I'm, I'm actually happy to be back. I'm so glad I could sit in on all those meetings and uh, just fun stuff. Uh, and, you know, I got to appreciate what you do, I guess, a little bit. Isn't it fun? <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was thrill, I'm thrilled that you're back. And not, not just because, as my phone goes off, not just because um, it takes a load off my plate. We're, we're really happy to have you back. And so we're going to get into it this morning about the NCAA basketball tournament, which I know you and I are both excited that we're going to be uh, down there working next week uh, for the Final Four. And uh, I don't think either one of us, um, we don't know who's going to be here from New Orleans in New Orleans next week, but I can be pretty sure that there are a couple teams we thought would be here that we know won't be here. Is anybody's bracket not busted at this point? I want to my... meet the person who, who doesn't have a bracket busted. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my nine-year-old son, who is risking being disowned by picking Kansas to win it all, his bracket is not busted. Man, I will leave. <laughs> Um, what are you going to do but, if we're sitting up there on, on uh, a week from Monday night, we're working, doing our best to work, and Kansas is holding up the trophy? What are you going to do? I, I mean, I'm, I will be in a position where I will have to root for Arkansas <laughs> if it comes to that. Do you know how bad that is? <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm actually looking at my son's bracket, and he had, he had Kansas over Gonzaga in the final, so he lost Gonzaga. But his other final four teams are Purdue and Villanova. So he's looking pretty dang good at this point. Maybe I should let him do my job. I wish I would have listened. I wish you would have told me that, and I would have listened to him. And uh, because I also had Purdue and Villanova in the Final Four, but my other my problem is I had Gonzaga winning it all, and I had Iowa as the other Final Four team. So what the hell do we know? And yeah. And speak, speaking of that, you know, last night, look, I was super high on Gonzaga. You probably weren't as high on Gonzaga as I was. But you were super high on Arizona. We both got our keisters busted last night. Yeah, I, I did not. Listen, I, you know I've been on Arizona since before Christmas time. Um, I, I had locked them in at 16 to 1. I thought that was a great price, and it got down as low as 5 to 1. Um, and so I, I still feel good about the bet. But as soon as the bracket came out and I looked at their region, I thought, this is trouble. Be, be, because, and this is what you know, we always talk about college basketball futures because the season starts and it's fun to talk about futures. You just betting them before the tournament. You're just, it, it's another layer of luck. You have to get through right. because you don't know. I mean, so Arizona was the second number one seed. They were the number two overall seed. 
Kansas was the was the number three overall seed. But and, and this is this has nothing to do with anti-Kansas bias because believe me, I have that. But like just looking at that, theoretically the two seed should have a slightly easier path than the three seed. But if you look at Ken Palm or look at the AP top twenty-five or look at anything you want to. Kansas region was objectively much easier than Arizona's. It, I mean, there's just no comparison. And then on top of that, they, they also got, and this is just luck of the draw, but they, they had their number two seed and number three seed both lose the first weekend. Whereas Arizona, well, the number three seed lost Tennessee did, but Houston's the best number five seed in the history of the tournament. I mean, that's, that's a top five team. I agree with that as well. And, and so to, to put them in Arizona's region along with Villanova, who's won two national championships in the last five years, uh, six years and Tennessee, who is in great form. And now they lost, but um, like you are just stacking the deck against Arizona. And so as soon as the bracket came out, I thought that future is not going to hit because you're talking about, all right, their first two rounds were manageable, although TCU gave them problems, you know, then you're talking about Houston or possibly Illinois, who is the big 10 regular season champ, then Villanova or Tennessee, then you know, Kansas and then Gonzaga or somebody, they're not going to run that gauntlet. It's just not going to happen. It's, and then one of their guards got injured and he, uh, he tried to play through it, but he was, I think one of 17 from three in the tournament or so, you know, they just weren't the same team. And so that's, that's what makes it tough. Speaking of that, um, that along the same lines, and I know Gonzaga lost last night, so now it doesn't make a difference. But when I looked at the bracket, I didn't understand. You talk about the number one overall seed. And I thought that their path, to the final four was just as tough as Arizona's with Duke and Texas tech on the same, in the same quad. I, I didn't understand that at all. If you're the number one overall seed to me, you should have the easiest path to the final four. Well, yeah. And, and like the fourth number one seed, which was Baylor is supposed to get the highest number two seed. It's, it's like an S curve, right? Right. And they did Baylor got Kentucky, which I believe was the highest number two seed. Which and that's all fine. Could, you know, Kentucky lost. I mean, and listen, some of this is just, this is the way the tournament goes. There are upsets and paths change and, and teams get lucky with, with who they have to face. And that, that's just, that's what we love about it. The randomness of it. But after Kentucky, I don't, I, I felt like that S curve broke down somehow. Like I, I don't, Auburn was not the second best number two seed and they got put in Kansas region. Completely then agree. Arizona gets Villanova, uh, Gonzaga gets Duke. I, 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 it didn't make a lot of sense to me that the top two seeds got the toughest brackets, the toughest regions. And I, I feel like the committee, when they look down at it, maybe they're trying to follow the S curve, but you almost have to take a step back when you're done and say, what are we doing here? We've given Kansas the the lowest rated number four seed, the lowest rated number three seed, the second lowest rated number two seed. Like, what are we doing here? They're, they're not supposed to have that easy of a path. Well, Gonzaga and Arizona who earned the top two seeds are getting killed. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I like Gonzaga, too. Like, I thought they were the best team in the country. I'm hearing all this nonsense. I saw something on Twitter last night about, oh, Gonzaga's lost. The, you know, do they have the killer instinct? I mean, look what Duke did when they were behind. Gonzaga just doesn't have that. You have to start to wonder about their championship pedigree. What are you talking about? They, Chet Holmgren got in foul trouble. They didn't have a good shooting night. Uh, you know, like, this stuff happens in the tournament. You're not... You just can't pencil in a team to win against good teams six nights in a row. It, does, it You just can't do it. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And the theme of today's show is people are stupid. 
So it's, it's, I mean, social media is is stupid. I mean, you know, it's part of our job, so we have to do it. But I really, I think if I wasn't in this business, I don't know that I would be on social media. I really don't. It's getting to the point now where it's just, it's, it's mind boggling sometimes. I mean, we spent the first part of this show talking about Jameis Winston and, and I just don't, I can't fathom the hate for Jameis Winston. And so we spent a lot of time talking about that, but it goes the same with NCAA basketball or anything else in sports, actually anything else in life. Uh, but I just don't get it. The fact that people can just say whatever they want to the masses now, I, I thought for a while maybe that's a good thing, but I certainly don't anymore. I think it was better when we just, you didn't know it was in the back of people's minds before. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I like social media. I like Twitter, especially it's, it's a great, place to be when things are happening live, yeah. like just yeah. to see reactions all in real time. Um, and it's a great place to get breaking news, but I don't like the part you're talking about where afterward, everybody's got to, I, I got to have the viral tweet. I have to come up with my best hot take. No, you don't just, <laughs> really? just leave it. So no, like really that's better in your head. Yeah. Mark few sucks. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? What is wrong with people? <laughs> Gonzaga doesn't have a championship pedigree. Shut up. (laughs) It's hard to win six Uh, games in a row. I did find it interesting, though, and and I'll tell you what, man, Vegas, there's a reasons why they make money. And so we were talking about it on At the Book yesterday. Villanova was 12 to 1. I told you how much I like Villanova. I still like Villanova a lot. I I still think they have a good chance to, as well as Houston's playing, I – I think they have a good chance to win on Saturday, and I think they have a good chance to make it to the national championship game and, frankly, have a decent chance to win the national championship. But there, it, it goes to show if you like a team, you really got to jump on them. You got to take that leap of faith because now they go from 12 to 1 to 6 to 1, and you just can't bet Villanova at 6 to 1, I don't think. Right, they're less. They're less. They're they're an underdog on Saturday. So right there. Right, and they're going to be plus, an underdog. Plus one fifty or whatever. Yeah. And if Kansas if Kansas makes it to the Final Four, which is, I think you almost have to say likely at this point, then they'll be an underdog against Kansas. And if it's Duke, even maybe Purdue, they may not be an underdog to Purdue, but there's a decent chance that Villanova is an underdog if they make it that far all the way to the national championship game. There's a decent chance that Villanova would be an underdog three straight games. And at plus 600, that just line doesn't make any sense. So it goes to show, but lines makers react to whatever happened at that point in time. And you got to jump on these teams early. Therefore, if you like somebody that's playing tonight, jump on them now. Yeah. Just looking at Villanova, Ken Palm rankings, which are a decent approximation for a betting line. Usually it's pretty close. They would have Nova as a small underdog to UCLA or Duke. They would have them as a small favorite over Purdue, and then they'd be a favorite over Arkansas. So, so you know, it, um, the, yeah, yeah, but but in either case, you're looking at probably two games as an underdog for Villanova, and then maybe like a one or two point spread in either direction in the championship game. So, so basically, if you looked at a three leg parlay and you thought about it that way, they should be more along the lines of plus one thousand or eleven hundred. At least eight or nine hundred, I would. So I would think that goes to show how much Vig is involved in these future bets a ton. I suppose there's a chance they would end up playing Iowa State or somebody in the Final Four, and you right. get a boost from that. But you know, 
it's it's all baked in there. You're not you're not getting a good deal. Put it that way. All right. Well, let's let's talk about tonight a little bit. And uh, I, I I think this slate tonight is just as interesting as to me. I love UCLA North Carolina, and not just because it's a blue blood game. Um, I, I think North Carolina to me is the best bargain on the board right now. Because if you want to jump on someone that's a, the potential future bet, the way North Carolina is playing right now, show, they wanted Cameron Indoor last regular season game of the year. They didn't play all that well in the AC tournament, but the way they're playing in this tournament and the way they kind of played the last month of the regular season, North Carolina could be a sneaky play right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing. Listen, they're, what are they won? eight of their last nine, I think. And that includes winning at Virginia tech, which, you know, which won the ACC tournament, um, winning at Duke. Uh, then I think their only loss was to Virginia tech in the ACC tournament, but then they just thumped Marquette in the first round. I mean, thumped them. And then, and then of course they beat Baylor and that was a game where Baylor had to come back. Um, you know, and what a crazy game that that was, but by the way, that, that reminds me a little bit of, talking about Baylor and they lose a game like that. If they had not just won it last year, people would be saying they don't have a championship pedigree. Right. People were saying six or eight years ago, Villanova didn't have a championship pedigree. Then Virginia didn't. You don't until you do like Gonzaga's going to win one. They keep putting themselves in position. They're going to win one, one of these years. And everyone's going to say, well, they figured it out. Did they figure it out? Or they just, you know, it it just has to come together. Uh, But yeah, North Carolina, UCLA, it's, you look at it, from a bracket perspective and you see, Oh, it's a four seed against an eight seed. That's, that's sort of a low level. I think the winner of that game has a real good shot at getting to new Orleans. I I agree wholeheartedly. And, and for us, how much fun would it be? Talked about this a little bit with Rod Walker, but um, how much fun would it be? And I don't hardly ever root for North Carolina. I am not an ACC fan at all. I don't root for ACC teams rare, rarely unless they have money on them. But it would be a lot of fun to have North Carolina and Duke as the, as the first game of the Final Four. I, I have spent my entire adult life rooting against Duke. I, I, will, I will admit, as a child, I, there was a couple of years where yeah, I kind of liked yeah. them. Until you sort of, you know, you get the sense of it as, as you grow up. Right. Like, these, these are the New York Yankees of college exactly. basketball. I can't remember right. that team. So, so I've spent my entire adult life rooting against Duke. But after they won last night, I'm sitting around thinking, okay, there's 12 teams left. How many teams left would I prefer to see win a national championship besides Duke at this point? And this is my own rooting biases and all those sort of things. Uh-huh. Part of is, is definitely part of it. But they're pretty close to the top of the list. Like, I'm, I'm rooting for them at this point. Um, I would love to see Coach K in the Final Four. I'd love to see Duke Carolina one more time in the final. I mean, what theater that would be. Or, or if it's Duke UCLA, I mean that's great too. I agree. Um, you know, I, I I like Ed Cooley. I think seeing Providence win it all after everyone's been so, and, and myself included, has been oh they're just you know they're just lucky they keep winning these close games. And I I do believe their run will come to an end. But it would be fun to see them kind of give a middle finger to everyone who's been doubting them and win it. But as far as realistic teams to win it, Duke Duke might well be at the top of my list right now. Well, I, for selfish reasons, I mean, they're the only future I got left. Um, and I'll probably make one before the games tonight. I'll, I think I am going to probably put a little something on North Carolina just in case. Um, maybe UCLA. 
I missed the boat on on betting a future in Villanova, even though I liked them, which kind of pisses me off. But um, it, I, it's going to be an interesting. I, I'm rooting against Kansas, not because of the bias you have, but I would love to see a Final Four that doesn't have a number one seed in it. That would be phenomenal. I don't. It's only happened three times. Yeah, it has been a while, uh, hasn't it? I think I saw it last night. I think it was 2011. Okay. Was but it's time? only happened yeah. three times ever? Correct. Yeah. Man, I, I wonder what the odds you can get on, on that before the, the tournament that a number one seed wouldn't make the final four. I wonder if you could you bet. I mean, you could bet almost anything. So I guess you could bet it. But I don't, it would have to be 20 to one. See, this, this warms my heart because 2011 was the last final four with no number one seed. And the last one seed to go out was Kansas. Losing to VCU in the Elite Eight. Oh man, you that gotta get, you gotta get over that. I'm feeling good now. You, you feel the same. Well, you know what? That. I'll never get over. I'll never get over Derrick Rose missing those free throws in, yeah. in the championship game. Yeah. That was tough. Well, I was. Uh, I will say this: I, this whole tournament, even though the teams that I, I my bracket stinks, uh, I've only got one future left, but it's been. Everything I thought it would be so far, this tournament, and it has had, you know, I, I've had, I think, every break except for maybe one or two here or there has gone against me as far as betting goes. But um, it has been an outstanding tournament to this point, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. No, I, I obviously was in Europe for the first weekend, which was weird. Um, I, I would never do that. The only reason I did it is because my brother chose that weekend to get married. Thanks, bro. Um Yeah. But we were, my son and I were watching the uh, North Carolina Baylor game on our phone, on my phone at the reception. Um, so that was my payback. And it's funny because YouTube TV is, is like, you can't use it in another country. But if you look at the preview screen, it starts playing the, oh. uh, the, whatever you're watching on that channel. And so you can't make it full screen. And but so you can watch it from the just, preview. But screen. you can watch it. And so <laughs> my six-year-old son and I have our our noses like an inch from the screen watching the end of this game. You know, and so it, it was a different experience. But yeah, it's it's been fun. And um, I don't know. I, I hope there's more surprises in store. What what incidentally, Jim, what's your best bet for tonight? My best bet for tonight. Um, you know, it, tonight is tough, but I, I think I gotta go with Miami. And um I think Iowa State has played a little over their heads. I think you put you could put way too much stock in the fact that they beat LSU because LSU was a mess. Um, to me, the Big Ten, besides maybe Purdue, um, and I thought this from the beginning, I thought Wisconsin was overrated. Um, so I'm not sure how much stock I put in that. But Miami beating Auburn is, is, a, is a big deal. Uh, and the way they played, they're playing very well right now. And the ACC, obviously... <laughs> Uh, maybe was a little bit underrated. So I, I think Miami's probably my best bet. Um, beyond that, I don't see. I don't know if Purdue's going to cover. But usually, when a team like a St. Peter's, I mean, we've only seen three fifteen seeds make it to the Sweet Sixteen, and Florida Gulf Coast actually made it to the Lead Eight. But um, I think St. Peter's run is going to come to a screeching halt tonight. So if I had to bet that, I would take. I would. I would lay the points with Purdue, but that's a lot of points to lay. Yeah, uh, it is. Like I'm promise. staying away from that one. There's a, well, I was going to say, 
I don't think I would bet them maybe when it was, I think it started at eight and a half. Now it's all the way down to seven, but there's a lot of steam coming on Providence. Um, and so makes me think that'll be a close game. And if that's a close game, pro- I mean, look, you, you can call it luck. And to a certain extent it is, but there's also an element of knowing how to win a close game. I mean, yeah, yeah. you have to get some bounces for that to work, but those guys are not going to be uncomfortable if that's a three point game with a minute left. Whereas Kansas, maybe you think, Oh God, we should have won this game. You know, they, almost gagged that game away against Creighton. Um, they had a pretty big lead and it got down to, I think one or two points in the final minute and they were able to survive. But I, I, I have my eye on that one. And then, um, yeah, I agree with you, Miami. I mean, listen, Jim Laranega did it with George Mason. What was that? 15 years ago. Yeah. Now took a double digit seat to the final ago? four. 2006. Wasn't it? Wow. 16 years ago. Yeah. And I'm old. So it's, that was my senior year of college. Actually. Um, I'm really old. And so, yeah, it's like, I, I think Miami's a decent bet. Um, but I, I, I yeah. I, I like North Carolina I, I, as well, but, and I'm going to tell you, not just because as well as they're playing, but we talked about on the show yesterday about how UCLA is a little banged up and we don't know how Jaime Jaquez is going to, if how he's going to respond to his injury from last week. It looked pretty serious. And the fact that he's coming back, I mean, you had to, you had to think of this with the regular season, he wouldn't even be anywhere near the court right now. But um, I, I just think that the unpredictability of UCLA and where they are now, the fact that they were in the, the final four last year, they feel like they had unfinished business. They probably think they should have beat Gonzaga in the final four. Um, it showed to me that really helped Houston last night, I think, because Arizona got back to, you know, they made that run down double digits. They come back and, and tie it up or they got within one. I, I know for at least, but but and then Houston kind of pulled away again, and I think that experience helped them. So I think the experience will help UCLA tonight. But I, I don't know how you root bet against North Carolina right now. I, I'm actually on the other side of you there. I would, I'm going to take UCLA. I don't know if I'll bet it, but um, that's one of those where sometimes you fall in love with a team on the first weekend. Yeah, because they look really sure. good, and then you know UCLA is really good. They're top ten. They are really good. Um, and yeah, the, the Hawkes injury is a concern, but he pra- like I have to think if he was that banged up, they wouldn't have had him practice full speed yesterday. Because yeah. if you're just going to try to sneak him out there, you don't want to have him practice 24 hours before the game. So well, Zion's practicing that, and he's not going to play. That's that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, man. No kidding. All right, before we let you go, uh, give me your grand prediction: Who's going to be in New Orleans next week, and who's going to win it all? I, listen, Kansas, go ahead. Y'all don't, y'all don't want my prediction because, because uh, they've been horrible so far. So Kansas will win it all. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jinx them. You know, I think, I think Duke will make it. Um, although man betting against Arkansas has been hairy. You don't want to do that, but yeah, I, I do money think, doing that. yeah, I, I do think Duke will make it. Um, just, just at this point, they've got the steam. I mean, they shot 71% in the second half yesterday. Yeah against one of the best defensive teams in the country. Um, and, and when you get hot two days later, I don't know, you know, Arkansas caught a lot of breaks last night. There's a lot of loose balls that they got. Um, some of that's effort. Some of that's luck. Gonzaga missed some open shots. Holmgren was in foul trouble. All that kind of, I, I think, I think Duke makes it. Um, then I'll take Houston over Nova. Um, I'm kind of leaning on coaches who have done well in the tournament before. And then I'll, I'll take Kansas and, um, and UCLA. 
How's Kansas, that? UCLA, Houston, and Duke. That would be fun. And then I'll take I'll take uh, I'll go with Houston over UCLA in the final. Houston over UCLA. I'll take the okay. I think uh, if you could get Duke, can I mean I don't again I'm not rooting for Kansas, but if you got Duke, can if you had Duke North Carolina, a possibility not likely, but if you had Duke North Carolina and then Duke Kansas, it'd be like old school. It'd be like going back to the to the 1990s or something. I think it'd be fun. You know, you know, you have the Five Slamma Jamma remake with Houston. Yeah. Um, Kansas has been good for decades. Yeah, I mean, it, there would be a lot of blue blood in that uh, in that dome, but oh, it would be that? fun. Let's have a retro final. Maybe they could even wear short shorts. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to next week. For, Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, you, you hope for upsets the first weekend, and then you hope for, for the really titanic matchups in the final four. So hopefully we get both. Yeah, well, I just I tell you what I don't want. I don't want, no offense to these teams at all or their fans, but I don't want Arkansas, Purdue, uh, Miami and Houston. That that would be like my least favorite Final Four. I, I have I have never been to a Final Four, and I'm, I'm really looking few. forward to it. But I might call in sick if I have to listen to <laughs> Woo Pig Suey on one side and Rock Chop Jayhawk on the other side. I'm, I'm I, I, I'll bring earplugs. I, I don't know what the hell I'll do, but it would be. I, let's just hope that it doesn't happen. Well, I was at the Chris Weber timeout. Wait, we don't have a timeout Final Four. That was pretty fun. Uh, but anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the next debacle is. We'll see what the next shining moment is. Uh, and I'm with you. It would be pretty cool if Coach K, if we're at Coach K's last game and he's cutting down the nets. That would be that would be pretty cool. And I'm no Duke fan at all. I've never. I'm like you. I've ne- I'm never. I hardly ever root for Duke, but I'm rooting for him now. It would be cool to say you were there. It, it, listen, if they win Saturday, we'll be at his last game one way or the other. That's true. And we'll uh, we'll spend a lot of time together next week. So that that's that's your problem. We'll, you'll have to work it out later. Zach Ewing, thanks for uh, joining us here on Datitude. We'll talk to you later. All right, Jim. Always fun. Um, glad to have Zach on the show. And glad to have Zach back where I don't have to... Uh, I don't envy his job after doing it for a few weeks. I go back to my own little best bets, although if I keep picking best bets like I picked them this past few weeks, people are going to stop reading them because they have been bad. Whoa, I've been bad the last month or so. But we're going to get all that out of our system. You know, you can only one way to turn a corner, and that's to just do it. Rip off that Band-Aid and start winning. Before we close out the show today, I do want to say, um, give my love and my thoughts and my prayers to the people of Araby. Uh, for those of you not listening in New Orleans, I'm sure you've seen uh, the weather event that we had earlier this week and uh, the tornado. The tornadoes. Um, we got lucky and spared here in Mandeville, where I live, uh, north of the lake. Again, if you're not from New Orleans, uh, I live north of New Orleans, across Lake Pontchartrain, uh, about 30 miles from the city. <clears throat> and uh, we had a separate tornado that, that hit about three or four miles to my east. We had some scary moments. Uh, 
brought the wife and the kids into our safe place and um, heard the tornado. It was it was scary moment. The weather, you know, they always talk about that weird sky when a tornado's coming. We had that and um, just torrential rains for about an hour. And it was scary for a little bit, but uh, my heart goes out. I I know uh, some people who lost their houses. Um, a coach, one particular coach in particular um, that I've known for quite a long time, lost his house. Um, and tragically, a um, young man that I used to cover back a few years ago playing football at Shaman High School uh, lost his life. And so our hearts here at Datitude and the Times Picayune uh, go out to everyone who is struggling with the aftermath of this tornado. And uh, our prayers and our love are with you. And um, it has been wonderful to see the outpouring of volunteers and donations to the people who are going through a tough time. And um, I know it'll continue because I worked in the St. Bernard Bureau for, for quite some time and grew uh, grew to have, bec- I, I, I got a lot of friends, I have a lot of friends that live there still. Um, and uh, my heart breaks for the people that are going through what they're going through, especially just a few months after after going through Hurricane Ida. So uh, we are with you here at Datitude. That is going to wrap up the show today. Uh, it has been a an interesting one. I did have a little Datitude to, to start this show. Uh, you heard it in my voice. But, you know, it's. I hope I have as good a day as it started. I hope the rest of the day is as good as it started because, you know, I don't want to have spite in my heart, but it is fun sometimes when you, you, you can't you tell a lot about the way people drive about a person. I think you can. I really think you can tell a lot about a person. In fact, I think more than anything else, um, we, t- we joked about the social media aspect, but yeah, I mean, of course you can read it in people's soul by reading what they write on social media because people people are dumb. But you can tell a whole lot about a person and, and who they are by either sitting in a car with them or driving behind them or better yet, like this morning, driving in front of them. It made my day. I hope the day continues to go like that. And I hope that my friends out there have a wonderful day as well. And a great weekend. Remember, boys and girls, hug the ones you love. And the ones you don't, well, just take an extra couple seconds to stop at that stop sign in front of them. We'll see you next Friday. We're going to have a special episode next week. Hopefully going to get some people down on uh, down in press row uh, to be able to talk to us. Uh, hope to have some special guests. I'll be going downtown probably Wednesday and Thursday. We'll see who we can grab and have on the show maybe we'll have two or three or four guests who knows we'll know later in the week thank you for again for joining us peace and love my friends we'll see you next friday you got a fast car is it fast enough so we can fly away you gotta make a decision leave tonight or live and die this way I remember when we were driving, driving in your car. Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk. City lights day out before us, and your arm felt like scrap round my shoulder. And I, I had a feeling that I belonged.